how do you go about making your voice sound like someone else's? And why would you? I'll be chatting to a bunch of people who can answer those questions and many more as they reveal the dark arts of impressionists. I'm Simon Lipson, and this is Making an Impression. I know that you've been putting a number of videos out doing your Boris and other characters, and I'm just wondering about the kind of response you get, because I've put this to Danny. Danny Postal, he does an absolutely marvellous Diane Abbott. Oh, yes. And yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's been doing that with no great criticism and lots of praise for a while. And then he put one out the other day and was accused of racism, which seems like a typical response of sort of knee-jerk reaction, but not really thinking about what they're saying. But when you put yourself out there, you're there to be shot down. Are you finding that people are negative in ways that you didn't expect when you, when okay. you put stuff out? Well, there's three or four things there. I first noticed it with the Scottish referendum because I kind of came out a little bit for the as, as a unionist because, you know, I'm a kind of a bit like Billy Connolly said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of an old hippie. I like people to stay together, you know. Mm-hmm. And I felt that, you know, being Scottish but working a lot of the time in England, I was kind of across that Anglo-Scot stuff. And so mm-hmm. I wrote a piece um, in the Telegraph, of course. Anyway, <laughs> and I was starting to get a hard time from the SNP. And, and, and it was the first time on Twitter that I started to get you know, hate stuff and people who were really, you know, call yourself a Scot and all the rest of it. And it really yeah. kind of shook me up, I thought. And I, I thought, God, I must go and make a documentary about Scottish independence and find out for myself. I don't know. I'm ignorant about this stuff. So it made me think. And then, you know, with the other referendum, it just became more toxic and the atmosphere is more toxic. Point one. Point two is I've been doing the Borises and it's hilarious because you just point, I did this f- first one last year. I just was in, a, I thought Boris was just about to, he was in the leadership thing. I thought I've got to do something about this. So I just stuck at my video, my mobile in front of my face. And mm. I, I, I did Boris. He's going to be, he's going to be today. You've heard of D-Day. I think t- tomorrow it is going to be, it is going to be B-Day. B-Day. That is the, that is, that is the day. <laughs> and, um, and I said, just put this little 60 second thing out. The next day I look and there's about a quarter of a million views on it. Wow. what? Blimey. And I did one the other day about, because it was after I did a, this deep fake little thing mm. with uh, Matt Ford. And I did a, did a Boris about, that's right, it was about Dominic Cummings saying, I mean, if you've been a father as long as I have, and, and indeed as often uh, as I have, uh, you will go the extra mile. Oh, indeed, you will go the extra 30 <laughs> miles. It was one of my, I call them my, my, my Captain Corona. That one's gone over a million, wow. over a million views. And you go, yeah. it's out there. So there's an appetite during the lockdown for these things. And it's extraordinary how this, this new medium that we have. Mm. Things float. But here's the thing. You mentioned about Diane Abbott and about the racism. Where we're talking now, yesterday they, they pulled Little Britain. What I found is I did Trevor McDonald and also I did Ainsley Harriet. Mm. And when I did Ainsley Harriet, it was when Yon Magnuson, a great producer who does a lot with Graham Norton. And we thought, how do you get these sort of poppy eyes? That, that, you know, Ainsley, he's always big, wide open eyes, wide open eyes. And so he said, well, why don't we use ping pong balls or something like that? So we did this thing, but, but I blacked up for Ainsley Harriet. It was not, not to do with, with race. Mm. It was because in every character I did, we wanted to look like the character. So yeah. if it was Robin Cook, on would go the orange uh, beard and stuff like that. If it was Boris Yeltsin, it would be sort of heavy sort of eye bags. And stuff. Mm. If it was Bill Clinton, it'd be the grey wig. It was important to look like the person. And so when I was doing Trevor MacDonald, mm. the same thing. And it wasn't, I th- wasn't sending up Trevor as a black man no. and saying, I'm going to have a laugh at his race. Or Ainsley Harriet. I think with Ainsley, again, I suppose it was like just going over the top and but it wasn't going over the top because he was black. It was it was 
something about that manic character. How do you, oh, yeah, what am I like? Hey, what am I like? <laughs> oh, we're going to go, and now we're going to cook on the gas. We're going to go the omelette, and we're going to try and turn it over. I bet you like we turned over, eh? Oh, yeah, what am I like? Hey, what am I like? <laughs> and we wanted to get that manicness across. But now they're saying, oh, you know, there's, there's a couple of little things that started to turn up on Twitter. And so they say, oh, when are they going to, are they going to ask Rory about his Ainsley impression? Are they going to ask Rory about his Trevor McDonald impression? And I'm thinking, well, I treated them with the same respect or lack of respect as all the other characters. This one, mm-hmm. We're not talking the black and white minstrel show here. No. We're talking a show which has high and quite expensive makeup and production values. Mm. And it's about looking like the character. And yeah. sometimes sending up um, that character's physical, like Bruce Forsyth. But I mean, the, the chin that we used to use. For, I mean, I had to, I had to have this thing lowered onto me. It was a real job for Helen, the makeup artist, to get this prosthetic chin to stay on. And God, and it wasn't like somebody sort of saying, "Oh God, you know, are you taking the piss out of uh, people who've got big chins?" It was just no. Bruce Forsyth looks like that. Yeah, and, you know, you're, it's caricature. So. Yeah. That's, there was a lot of answers there to a lot of questions. So well, it, it, big social media, but the licensed fool. This you are being judged more by your by your politics than than ever at any time I can remember. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I often put political tweets up, or things with not necessarily political, but where you're taking a point of view, and whatever happens, doesn't matter how reasonable you think you sound. There's somebody who's going to shoot you down. And, and put something up there that you think, Christ, how can you be so bigoted? How can you be so uninformed? How can you be so ignorant about stuff? But I guess that's the nature of giving everyone a voice. I suppose in some respects it's, it's democratic, but it can get very poisonous, I think. Twist anything. They will twist it. I think uh, and I got into one the other day and I shouldn't have done it. And uh, they said, oh, you're just an out-of-touch millionaire or something. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, if you mean... Yeah. You know, that I worked hard, was successful, and by the way, I've done a lot of work for a lot of causes, a lot of different charities, and all mm. the rest of it. You know, what do you mean? And he came back and said, "Oh, so you're saying that people who have worked hard and earned a million aren't successful?" I thought, no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm uh, saying yeah. that. I, you know, and I said, "Look, I'd be lucky." And you know, it's not like I walked into somebody just in the street and they handed me. It's you know this is over twenty years and and of just doing doing my best and yeah. as you say I think that this is the thing about comedians being given the benefit of the doubt and that they we're not given the benefit of the doubt anymore certainly not on Twitter you are no. judged absolutely right just going back to the show uh, and those the years of of working uh, on Channel Four there must have been intense pressure to keep coming up with the voices of the day. You know, you, we talked about Major, we talked about, you know, you were doing Bill Clinton, you were doing, you've done Obama, you've done George Bush. Did you ever reach a point where you thought, I, I can't, I need to do this voice. I have to do this voice because it's relevant. It's, it's part yep. of the current fabric of, of you yep. know, of the political discussion. I just can't find it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I, I sometimes, and I think now, uh, I sort of think, God, could you do these voices anymore if you had to do new ones? And I had to be under that pressure. I had to have a gun held to my head. Mm. And sometimes, you know, it would it would work. In the studio, sometimes if you're doing them in makeup for the first time, because let's say, great Keith Floyd, for example, you know, you'd have a kitchen behind you. You'd be in the set. You'd look like Keith Floyd. You'd have the set behind you. You'd have, mm. you'd, obviously, because you know his, the way he speaks, and I would have written the sketch 
with all his rhythm, his rhythms. So you had so many things. So that in a way, the voice was kind of just the last element to that. And I'd have a big screen set up in front of me as I was doing the sketch. So I could see out of the corner of my eye, I could see what absolutely looked like Keith Floyd in Keith Floyd's sketch, in his set rather. Mm. So that, and it really helped you to kind of get the voice and the characterization. And there were some that I couldn't do. For, for example, a long time I thought, can't do Noel Edmonds, can't do Noel Edmonds. And then they said, you're going to have to do, because deal or no deal became big. Yeah. And I thought, and I listened. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh, there was a little, there was a little crack in the voice. It was like, oh, it's the banker. It's the bank. And there was a word. What was the word? It was jeopardy. Jeopardy. <laughs> Oh, now and it was all that slight, and it was, it was lying there all the time, and it was just that little catch. That yeah. oh, that little catch. Um, it's probably you, it's in another impression I do. I'd imagine so. I can't think which one it is at the moment, but it kind of worked. But uh, then when it fa- it fell apart when I had to do Harry Hill, and uh, we got as far as doing it in makeup, and I knew when I was doing it in the pre-recording, I knew it wasn't right. I knew yeah. I couldn't. I knew I wasn't. And we ended up. We showed it to the audience. And I knew it wasn't right. And I said to the audience, that's not right, is it? And they kind of said, no, it isn't. And mm. that was the only real, amazingly, you know, I'm very lucky. That was the one where I just thought, oh, God, I can't do that. And there are, who have I seen do a really good Harry Hill? Terry, um, Terry uh, Alderton, is that right? Is that, Terry Alderton, Paul Burling, they're all, they're all pretty good at, at Harry Hill, yeah. <laughs> can't do it, can't do it, can't Damn do it. Damn them, Damn uh, them. It. But you know, you can't, you can't win them all. And as you, you get old, you can't, you can't. Um, I was talking to I did a podcast with Mark Nicholas the other day, and he was talking about our sportsmen and cricketers, are they competitive? And are comedians competitive? And I think, well, maybe we were at the early days with the comedy script, comedy store. And um, I mean, I didn't, I don't think I'd, not sure I'd played that venue actually, but, but you were aware of you hmm. were on one side as the new wave alternatives and the, the, the Tarbucks and the Jim Davidsons and stuff. But the other side, now it just seems to me, you know, we're all comedians and, yeah. and, you know, it becomes about anecdotes and, and, you know, there are strange things like one of the first tweets I saw uh, or retweets I saw after Jeremy Hardy died was one from Jim Davidson. And you think, mm. God, Jeremy would probably be mortified, but Jim was yeah. saying, I really like Jeremy Hardy and you know, I really rated yeah. him. And you thought, yeah, you know, there's a humanity sort of behind it all. So now I kind of don't, judge comedians but with impressionists i'm just now in awe of them and i think there's so many and they're so good you know danny and yeah. luke kempner who i mentioned i mean his biggins when he did it on the imitation game and he came on and we had this thing where wouldn't it be great if we got the real person and do it like blind date and yeah. they're the middle person and the other two do and did his biggins and i'm doing i tried to do biggins and i can't there's another i can't do and there was biggins and deborah <laughs> stevenson and i th- i think if she really i don't think she was doing this for the magic of that moment the television but she chose luke she said that's biggins and it was a wonderful moment and now instead of, i don't feel jealous of that now i just think mm. oh, brilliant. i kind of feel like a sort of you know a senior citizen and i can just rather like like um was it Mr. Young Mr. Grace in uh, Are You Being Served? I can say, oh, you're <laughs> yeah. all doing very well. And I look at Luke mm. and I look at, you know, John, or I look at Lewis and I look, when Lewis does Jeremy Vine or <laughs> Jess Robinson, when she sort of knocks it out, of the, but Jess just does it for fun, you know, which is a yeah. Stacey Solomon or, 
you know, Catherine Jenkins or when Deborah's doing her Davina McCall or, you know, when, when Ronnie's doing her, Ronnie Ancona is doing her Lorraine Kelly. Yeah. And I just think, you know, I just feel lucky to be in the same profession, really. I don't feel, you know. Yeah, I was saying to Alistair McGowan during our chat that, you know, we were kind of contemporaries. He started before me, but we were working at much at the same time. And I said to him, Alistair, you know, now that I'm retired from the game, I can can tell you that I always thought you were the the best impressionists, you know, out there, uh, you know, doing it on our our kind of circuit. I said, but I would never have told you that back then. (laughs) And there was a competitiveness, certainly for me, and I, I was on Dead Ringers and, you know, we would always have a voice off. And, uh, you know, the producer would say, who can do, I don't know, who can do David Bedil? And I think, well, I, I, I don't know, maybe I can. So I would start, like, I would start to do David Bedil, whatever it was. And then somebody else would do it. And I would always think, oh, do you know what? I actually think I got it there better than the other two, John Colshaw and, and McGowan. I never got the voice. Yeah. And I just go, curses, you know, damn you all. But it, there was a competitiveness I felt was actually unhealthy. I didn't much enjoy that macho voicing off that we used to do. But it's impossible not when I, I don't know if you've heard Charlie Hopkinson, uh, who was on, mm. on the show a little while ago. It's a young guy, he's 27. And he's very kind of unassuming, he's very charming. He suddenly goes into Morgan Freeman uh, down here. So oh, I, it's just magical. It, it's it's one of those where the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. It's so perfect. And then he'll do Ian McKellen. And I suddenly think, thank God, <laughs> I, I'm not there. Any, I don't have to be trying to yeah, emulate. Or, I feel a little part of it. I still think Lewis does a wonderful Ian McKellen as well. He does. He does. And I, I asked him to teach me uh, McKellen. That was one of the, the voices I asked him to teach oh. me at the end. And I, I got nowhere near it. I wish I could play because on WhatsApp, occasionally Lewis sends me stuff and he gave me some tips on my Obama, for example. And I said, yeah. I was doing this. I said, I got a good, a good line from Obama, which is, you know, you know, they call me the, they call me the perineum president. I'm the one between the prick and the asshole. <laughs> and he said, he said, Rory, I really like that. He says, oh, it's great. He said, but if, if you could just change, you know, I think you need a wee bit of a pause, you know, you know, if I was going to talk about another, damn it, your Obama is so good. Lewis, for heaven's sake. So you kind of, you know, because you know and love these guys and Alistair yeah. or whatever, um, it's, the, it's when somebody writes and says, you know, my, my sons are great in impressions. What advice would you give them? And that's where I'm, I'm always tempted to say, well, look, get him to read the Bible. So well, why is that? So, well, it won't stop him, but it'll slow him down for a few years. But there are some good, I mean, when I saw Matt Ford uh, as a political yeah. impression, uh, mm. at Edinburgh about four or five years ago, maybe longer now. And I remember just thinking, God, this reminds me of me when I was younger. Yeah. And instead of sort of going out in a rage, I sort of went to see him afterwards and I said, oh, you know, you're good stuff. And I got him doing the, the first show that we did in 2015. We did a, a show about the coalition for the BBC. And ironically, uh, and so I just wanted to encourage him. He was very good. And he reminded me of, of, of me sort of 30 years ago, 20 years yeah. ago. Anyway, we'd just done this, I mentioned it maybe earlier, this recording only thing I've done in lockdown and we had to do it remotely but I did I did Boris and I, I don't think he'd want to I don't think he's one of my best 
and you had to work on Boris and uh, Darren and I, who we met last year, but it is, you know, it is, that, is, is that, and it's two, that, you know, two. It's, it's and also he does those sort of explosions I wouldn't say for a moment, uh, and you all the character Corona, and you get that, and the, and the symbol of the, the fricatives, the, the dental, all that, very, very important. So it's not my best, I don't think, but anyway, I was doing Boris and Matt was doing Donald Trump. He does Trump very well. It's a great gift to impressions. Impressionist Donald Trump, very, very good, very good. And I think Lewis does a one. It was a wonderful. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Atamanyuk. Okay, check him out. Anthony Atamanyuk, wonderful guy, and also Sarah Vinovitz does a very good sassy Trump. So there's lots of Trumps out there. So Matt was doing it anyway. The reason we're doing this is because, um, and it was something that. Uh, a guest you spoke to the other day uh, was talking about, um, they've mapped our faces and they've calibrated. It'll go now into a computer yeah. and be mapped and calibrated against real Trump and real Boris. So this is the, the, deep, fake, uh, it's the, the deep fake software. Yeah. It's yeah. the deep fake software. Um, mm. and it's going to do this in America. And we'll see, because years ago, I remember doing that for a sort of very strange hologram Peter Mandelson that we did a very, very strange one. So I mean, I don't you remember that my Peter Mandelson was very much based on, sounded a little bit like Colin Cowdery, who's a very good friend of mine. And uh, very, no, I know where you live. And it's very much like uh, that. In fact, funnily enough, if you take, if you take Peter Mandelson and Keith Floyd, you probably, I, you probably get, you get, you get David Cameron. That's who you get. That's what, you know, it's, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> Let me tell you. So Peter, and, and what we did then was we, somebody, they mapped my face and this Dutch guy would say, okay, do face, smile, no smile. Okay. Stinky, which meant, you know, you'd sort of screw up your face. Yeah. Okay. A laugh, open mouth. And my mind went back to that, which was 15 odd years ago, 20 or longer than 20 years ago. Mm. This last week, but this time, as I say, deep fake. So I think when you get, get it back, you know, it should be so you can't see that it's not the real people. It, but yeah. I'd be really interested to know if you don't need it. Something you said right at the beginning of this interview. Mm. If because it's too perfect, it's if it's because it looks too much like the person, won't have that joy, the frisson of realizing that that voice shouldn't come out of that person. It's very interesting that there's a guy, there's a guy called Jim Meskimen, American impressionist, who uses deep fake extremely well. And that's worth having a look at, Jim Meskimen. But I, I think the voices don't have to be that great because you yeah. can see who he's doing. There's another guy whose name has completely escaped me. It does a round table thing where he's doing Ewan McGregor Jeff Goldblum, Robert Downey Jr., and George Lucas using this technology. And the Goldblum is mind-blowingly brilliant because he's also doing all that, the crazy hands. And, yes. But that's well worth watching as well. But I suspect it takes away a little bit, as you say, from that little frisson you get when you see somebody like you doing Obama or somebody like me doing, I don't know, Chris Eubank, Billy Connolly. Yes. It's that, oh, wow, you can do, you look like that, but you can, you can become all of these other people. And I think that's part of the, the art form, oh, actually. The charm. And I mean, I don't know if you, if you practice in front of mirrors, for example, but I don't, but it's no, funny did. when people say, gosh, you start to look like the characters. 
but I'm not aware of it. I don't practice no. it. What happens in an impressionist's head, and I think, you know, you'll know the same thing. Mm. I'm almost closing my eyes and I'm imagining, I'm, I'm running a, 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 a film of mm. what they look like saying what I'm saying. Exactly. Um, that. And that's yeah. what's in my mind's eye. And I'm just providing the soundtrack to that. So if yeah. I'm doing Donald Trump, I'm aware that he's looking like this. And... I mean, it's funny when he, you can tell whether he's, if he's saying it himself, you know, he'll have his, his own rhythms, okay, right, and all that. And if he's reading a speech, he'll be doing it like he's a vicar who's read the thought so many times. And when two or three are gathered together in your name. But, you know, so I'm seeing that in my mind's eye and then just providing the soundtrack. So if your face becomes, like, I'm lucky because I've got a very bland, featureless face, as has John Culshaw. Alistair, Alistair's a very striking and distinctive feature. So, yes. I mean, it, it's, a, it's an absolute testament to his brilliance that you know, that you believe the impression because the voices are so good mm. um, because he hasn't got this bland, blank canvas yeah. um, on which you can sort of, on which he can project, but also on which we can project sure. the person that he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Did I just love him. I love other impressionists, you know, like, and I just, you know, there's a new one. Um, uh, you know, there might be a free song every now and again, but you just, yeah. God, you know, a, yeah, that's why I said. So, so Matt coming along with, um, yeah. or Darren doing. So Jim Meskerman is a Meskerman. Jim Meskerman. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned that I, I interviewed Terry Minot. I don't know if you know Terry. Yes, yes, uh, the Morgana show. Morgana show. And he's kind of forsworn impressions now. And I struggled to get him to do any voices because he just dismissed them as, oh, I can do five seconds of that and 10 seconds of that. And I thought, yeah, but these are really good 10 seconds worth that you're doing. And it was interesting that he seemed to have almost I don't know if I'm doing him a disservice. He seemed to have bowed to the opposition, if you like, that there are people out there who are doing this and really investing in it, and he wasn't prepared to or didn't want to. I've gone off on a complete no, no, Well, maybe I think because, well, I, I, it could be, or it could be because Coogan did that. You see, Coogan, but I think he, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't particularly value impressions as an art. I yeah. He's very good at them. He's one of the very best at them. Yeah. And, you know, and Rob Brydon, you know, um, his, I mean, Rob's would be, you know, either, or possibly Michael Caine, but Ronnie, Ronnie Corp and uh, Tom Jones. But, oh, he's a very good, very good mimic. Rob. He's a very um, good mimic. But yeah. Steve Coogan, who obviously, I mean, he, you know, obviously a very, very good Michael Caine and all the rest. But I think early on, I don't think it was because he felt, no, I don't, knowing Steve Coogan to the extent that I do, which is not very well, mm. I don't think it was because he thought that other people did it better than him. He felt it was kind of, it wasn't a high enough art form. It just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't, well, as Darren called it the other day, that it was like a, a kind of party trick. Well, there is that. I've used that a lot. And I, I remember many years ago when I was just starting and getting doing quite well quite quickly because I could do the voices. I didn't have many jokes, but I could do the voices. And I remember doing a set at the Comedy Cafe and it went very well. And afterwards, Terry Alderton, who we mentioned a bit earlier, who was a very good impressionist himself. Yes. But by then he'd started doing other stuff. And he came up to me and said, you know what, you're, you're, really, good at, you're really good at them voices. <laughs> he, said, but, <laughs> he, said, but, he said, but it's just a party trick. Just party trick. You're not doing anything with them. You're not, and I thought, you know what, you're, you're right. I'm not doing anything with them. It's worth, if you, if you get a chance to listen to a show I put out earlier, uh, Stefano Paolini, 
And Stefano yep. does things with impressions that other impressionists don't do. And I won't try, I won't even attempt to describe his, his stuff to you, but it's, it's fascinating. Let me ask you, I don't know how, how you are for time, but I just, I, just a couple of other bits and pieces I wanted to ask. Sure. Were you the kid at school who always, you know, you were in the playground, you were in the classroom. I, I think you and I both went to quite posh school. <laughs> schools um where this kind of thing would be frowned upon you know if anyone intellectually superior would come anywhere near you but amongst your friends you know i'd be saying which you been what i'm average and all that stuff (laughs) were you that kid or were you introverted you were no i'm afraid i was yes i know alistair said he was more the introvert than the shy one but Perhaps somebody said, you know, they do jokes to stop being beaten up. I think it was only after I started doing the jokes that they started to beat me up. So also they weren't good enough. But um, no, it was definitely, well, also it was restlessness. It was a little bit of a repressibility. And I think probably what would now be called ADHD. I think I had a mild thing. I've talked much more about this recently because of mm-hmm. a relative of mine that I've recognized a lot of myself in them. Uh, and I recognize this thing. But also, you know, for a comedian, this sort of ADHD, this kind of... Um, lack of inhibition as well. That's a very much part of it because it is a neurodevelopmental mm. condition, which means that parts of your brain, and it's funny enough, that part of, one of, part of your brain that stops you from being impulsive, that's not fully formed in ADHD yeah. people. So you are more impulsive. So somebody like Lee Mack, for example, his speed of thought and his, you know, and sometimes it's just rudeness or just blurting out or something like that. He's just, it's so quick because the filter isn't there. Yeah. So it was that sort of a mild ADHD, uh, obviously. And, it's, and if, as, you, as you said, in a sort of public school environment, you need to sort of get on because mm-hmm. otherwise you will sink. And it was my, it was my card. It was my, it was my get out of jail. It was my passport. And when we went to rugby matches or cricket matches, I could be in the back doing Richie Benno or, or Bill McLaren, of course, as we said, or even the, even I remember doing, you know, Margot Ledbetter from the young ones. Oh yes. Thank you, Jerry. All that stuff. And, and uh, Jeffrey Boycott. And the girls, what about Jeffrey Boycott. Uh, well, no, Jeffrey, I don't know if he was commentating. He was, he was just, he was still scoring runs in those days. Simon, you know, I tell you, I tell me, you know, he's always good fun, Jeff. You know, he's changed now. Jeffrey Boycott goes, eh? Eh? He says, I wouldn't, you know, you go up and back number three, eh? Eh? would you? It's interesting, actually, because I've, I've started to think about accents. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a show to be done about accents. But, you know, it's funny, it's fascinating. Oh, you start in Yorkshire and it's all broad like that. And then you get to Lancashire and it gets, you know, more nasal. Gets a bit Terry Christian, gets a bit like that. And then you go even further to Liverpool and you get, you know, that kind of thing. And you think, isn't it amazing? You know, just across the M62, yeah. we've gone from this, which goes to maybe John Bishop by the time you fit. And you don't, you don't put the T on the end. You say, but, but. You know, and then and then you go back like Terry Christian and be able to do Jeffrey Boycott. And that's just the M62. So Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, what was saying? So yes, I was that child at school. Then I can remember distinctly, it was one friend of mine called Chris Cox, and I mentioned his name Cox because when he filled in his Ucker form, you know the Ucker form? Mm-hmm. And the tutor rang up his father because he hadn't put, put, given in his Ucker form. Uh, and so he rang up his father and said, now come on, where's the Cox Ucker? <laughs> And his father, big, big upon. Anyway, and I was at a party at his house and people gathered around and I was doing Rowan Atkinson, doing, you know, the headmaster sketch, you know, Ainsley, Babcock, Bland, Ellsworth Beast Major, uh, all those ones. And because all my records at home were all spoken word. It was Dave Edna, 
It was uh, Rowan Atkinson live in Belfast. It was Monty Python. And I was, so kids were around at the party, friends of mine, and I was doing the impressions. And I, I, I think it was that moment. That I thought, gosh, you know, I could make a go of this. And, uh, mm. and I, I can re- distinctly remember that. And then it was kind of being in the right place at the right time. I didn't get into Cambridge because I would have probably been completely intimidated by the brilliance of the footlights. Instead of which I kind of managed to get onto the London circuit and I was lucky. No, but that actually kind of that was the next question, really. You clearly envisaged yourself as somebody capable of going out there and giving it a shot. Because, I mean, in my case, I finished my law degree, I did my training, and I became a solicitor. And these, you know, people just tended to just follow these, the, the format. But there you were, a bright guy doing a, a ling- linguistics, uh, uh, languages rather, at, at university. But prepared to take what looks like, from where I would have been sitting at the time, a, quite a bold step onto something. A, and we all know showbiz is is unpredictable and difficult. But B, it's you're putting yourself right out there so, because because once you're on a stage, you're being judged instantly. Whereas I'm a solicitor, I spend my time in an office, and, and no one looks at me for for seven hours a day. I honestly don't think I ever it ever occurred to me. I really, really don't. I mean, I don't think, I mean, there've been times since when I think, gosh, you know, I mean, uh, even though I love doing shows like the Grosvenor House, when you've got like award ceremonies, you've got 1,200 mm. people there. But if you tell you do live at the Apollo, I, I go, oh, and I'm scared to do yeah. live at the Apollo. Uh, one day, maybe I might have to bite that bullet and say, come on. Of course you can do. Of course you can do. And when we did, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. That was the first time back into some 2,000 seat audiences and hearing those laughs. And I, I went to bed that night. Thought, God, you can do it. But those Grosvenor House ones. But there are those evenings when I thought, God, I'll, I'll swap places with the waiter. But I don't remember it being such a big deal. I think perhaps because the comedy circuit was so informal, mm. you know, because it was always sort of quite scruffy, quite sort of small venues that you know you weren't going straight from nothing to going on to the stage at britain's got talent you know mm. you could and you know there were people doing all sorts of stuff on the cabaret circuit and i remember arthur smith once just one of his acts he just got somebody up on stage and gave them a haircut or no there were, i think there was a barber in the audience and he got them up, yes. and that was kind of a performance art so anything went and it was just doing that but also at that time of course there were researchers from tv and radio programs going through the cabaret circuit like a sort of japanese whaling fleet and hauling people up onto shows mm. like russell harty or a wogan or whatever and so but i just remember distinctly part two from the, the the child at the party i remember i think i was just doing the ironing in my student flat student flat in fulham and the phone rang and it was the guy from the bbc producer of weekending and um heard Alistair talk about this the other day because it was Bill Wallace and David Tate and Sally Grace. Mm, mm. And it was, would I do weekending? And I thought he was, I thought he was joking. And I was, honestly. And that was probably, I think it was the summer of 19, of 1984. And yes. And I thought for the first time, and I jumped, I jumped the wall. I'd gone from circuit to now God, Mm. This is the BBC. That was the first radio job. And then the first TV job was a little BBC South thing, the Seller Show, presented by a little-known presenter then called Jenny Murray, who was starting out in those days. And then there was The Tube with um, Jules Holland, the day of the Brighton bomb. So a certain amount of material got changed there. Mm. And 1984, uh, and by that stage, things were afoot to start doing that. I think it was just the, 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 the Wogan Show in 1985. 
was the summer. So I, it kind of, there was a sort of, an, it, I don't know, it, just, it was kind of quite seamless. It never felt like I was standing on the edge of a pool, terrified about jumping in. Mm. It just felt like, and I, I think Chris, seeing Chris Barry on the thing, I thought he was, you know, seeing the impressionist doing similar kind of characters. And I just thought, as performers do, I thought, I want to be doing that. I, could, I think I can do, I want to do that. I really want yeah. to do that. Yeah. And, um, you know, so just as Yarwood and Baxter and others were influences early on, I think, I think probably Chris gave me the confidence that, you know, that he, he, he'd done that and you could do that because, and, and it worried me at the time. That's why I say I avoided characters that he did because I didn't want it to be sort of seen as we were, you know, that I was just following him for the sake of following him. It was just, yeah. you know, I needed to establish myself in my own way and sort of go, go after that. But for, for, for that moment, it was just getting onto the stage at the Finborough. No, I've actually got a million more questions, but I'm conscious of the fact that we've been talking for a while. I know you have another Zoom appointment. So everything's on Zoom now. Um, The best one I heard about that was a a picture of Descartes. And it says, Covido ergo Zoom. Um, In order to sort of wind up, I, I normally ask my guests to teach me an impression. But I won't I won't do that today. Because I just wanted to ask you this. And you know, you've you've been at the uh, you'll 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 probably find this embarrassing, but as far as I'm concerned, you've been at the pinnacle of the impressions industry, if you like, for uh, ever since I've been conscious of comedy. Um, and oh, everyone I've spoken to has deferred to you, particularly in terms of your political impressions. I think a lot of people have said to me, "Like, I can't go there." I remember my my own agent used to say to me, "You should learn. You should do it. You can do uh, Gordon Brown. You can do this." I say, "What's the point of me doing it?" Because Rory, Rory <laughs> oh, just God, does I'm it. Sorry. <laughs> so, you know, I stuck to you know Chris Eubank and whatever. Um, um, so <laughs> you must listen. Do. I think at the end of this, we should interview yeah. you. <laughs> yes, maybe you should teach my, me how to, teach me how to do uh, Chris Eubank. Well, you know, because all you got to do is uh, you know get your voice uh, in this tone. It's quite simple. It's nothing uh, nothing complicated, you know. Oh, that's good. Yeah, there you that's, go. That's that's it. They've got to be recognisable, haven't they? The people they had. Yeah. If, you, you know, if I did George Osborne or even possibly Matt Hancock and played a tape, yeah. people would they go, oh, who's that? Who's that? Who's yeah. that? The, ori- the original, I mean. And Whereas Chris Eubank, you know. It's, oh, so, it's, just, it's so distinctive, you know. It's, uh, oh, listen to it's, that. Uh, it's, a, it's a gorgeous impression. Unfortunately, um, no one really knows what I'm doing anymore, but apart from, well, people of our vintage. We, we I know. Well, I struggle, but, but my only one now is Louis Walsh. And then I realised that Louis Walsh is only one step. Alistair calls them voice bunkers. He's only one step, really, from Donald Trump because yeah. Louis Walsh is... You're great. I want people to vote for you. To I want people to vote for me. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, Simon, it's, Simon, Simon. It was a great voice. I love what you did there. I think you could go. You know, I don't think you know how good you are. I, I know how good I am. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I, I just wanted to ask you one last question of, of of a million that I haven't asked you. But when you listen to your back to yourself, are there voices that you where you think? shit i can only hear me i can only hear my voice yet the audience has completely bought it so perhaps without the makeup without all the deep fake and everything like that where you're just you on stage doing a voice and you and deep down i mean you mentioned your your harry hill failure as it were but you're you're still selling a voice that you don't believe in 
Well, I'm still, I'm sort of nurturing my imposter syndrome. Um, but I think, funnily enough, when I hear that 19 not out, that talk, we, we began with Richie and we're going to end with Richie. <laughs> yes. Still. But I hear this voice saying, they fought the most disastrous series in test history. They fought, and I hear my Richie Benner and it's so high now. And I think, uh, why did I do it? And I think now it's much quieter and it's a bit lower. But I think as um, another impressionist was sort of saying about I've got a high register voice and I sometimes think, you know, if I listen back to impressions and I'm not happy with them, more often than not, it's because I'm I'm quite high mm. and I should bring it a bit lower and, yeah. and get a bit more depth and a bit more. And that's what Darren can get. That's what Lewis can get, yeah. you know, yeah. because they seem to have that, you know, the depth of, of the Ian McKellen. I don't know how Lewis does that Jon Snow he does. You know, he can talk to himself to Johnson Channel 4 News. But, you know, so I, I bow to them and I, mm. and I judge myself on those. But I think it's, yeah, I think that's my, my fault. I, I think, and otherwise, it's, it's just so instinctive. And every now and again, you're doing an American voice. And it's very hard. The hard ones are to say the word father as an American. Yeah. I spoke the other day. I was doing a, a Trump. I was talking about Waterloo. And Waterloo, that was quite a hard word. Waterloo of father 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 and so little ones where i skip up slip up so it's it's little ones as accents I, and i realize oh that that syllable or that vowel is wrong yeah or it's too high but i think are we all perfectionists simon i don't know i think <sighs> i've said before i've bored on about this on the show before that i think all impressionists uh, professional impressionists can do 10 or 12 absolutely spankingly good impressions where they can't hear themselves and then you've got about 50 or even 100 that you can absolutely sell. You can get away with where you're, you're maybe 80% of the way there, 90%. It's more than good enough. And then you have a bunch of stuff that you don't do particularly well. But if you find a, the right place to slot them into your act, and I'm talking specifically about stand-up, you wouldn't go near these on the radio, then you can, you can throw those in as well. I mean, I, I used to do, uh, you know, for example, McIntyre. I can't do McIntyre. So I would I would slot him in between some voices I was good at, you know. So I just, yeah. no, I, I just do that, and, and you know, get well, back away. To the voices in Jurassic, but no, it's true. <laughs> yes, but yeah. actually, there's two thoughts. Bill McLaren used to say when the ball was going between the posts, uh, you know, for a penalty, he said, "It's it's long enough. It's high enough. Oh, the crowd will tell you." And <laughs> Mark Thomas once said this. I was asking him, I, I was doing new material, and I said, what, what do you think? And Mark Thomas just said, he said, you know. He said, you know, and the audience will tell you. There, there was a, for a long time in the 90s, I think I became, or the t- 2000s, I became Tony Blair because I was doing him so often that I would actually, it was almost the other way around. I would hear, instead of hearing myself in him, I would mm-hmm. hear him in myself, if you see what I mean. And I yeah. think, my God, you know, you're actually starting to, you know, your rhythm is becoming like Tony Blair. It's really weird. And I just, maybe to story <laughs> that I very much enjoyed doing Michael Howard. Oh, yes. It's yes. all right. I'm not going to hurt you. <laughs> and I used to love doing that. And I did Kingdom, one episode with uh, Stephen Fry. I was a vicar and I had to sort of threaten him. And I, so I sort of said, uh, it would be a great pity if you weren't actually there at the Harvest Festival, wouldn't it? And Stephen said, no, stop, 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 stop. He stopped the filming. He said, I'm, I'm terribly sorry, I'm going to stop you. He said, you're being Michael Howard. And he was absolutely, <laughs> I was. And, uh, I was so nervous doing that. So um, I just thought, I can't act, I can't act. And um, so, but luckily, I hope I can do voices. At least I could. 
and well, um, and, look, it's, I mean, and it's a joy to be in the same profession. And we should interview you, Simon, because well, everyone you've nailed about seven impressions. Well, thank you. I, out, the, of, the, out of the seven you've done, so com, coming um, from you, that's uh, that's a huge. Oh compliment. no, they're I all good. Oh, from Connolly to Eubank to, uh, <laughs> they're all good. Thank you so much. I, what, I, I said at the beginning, uh, I called you peerless. I still believe that. And today, because I can't do peers yet. <laughs> you can't, but you've proved it in, in spades today. Thank you so much, Rory Bremner, for joining me today on Making an Impression. And uh, I, I, I feel there's more to talk about, but uh, we, we do have to stop. <laughs> I'll uh, do the director's cut another time. Well, I'm very happy to do that. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure. I've got the added bonus of being able to see you. So I can see yes. you smile and I can see that we just that we both just love this really strange business that we do. So it's, it's crackers. It's crackers, but it's, uh, there's something about it. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's arcane, but, but somehow... It, actually, to, uh, just one final point, that there are not that many impressionists around. And in the great scheme of things, you know, as, as comedians, there, there are very few on the circuit, for example. But people love impressions. Audiences absolutely fall over themselves for impressions. And yet... Uh, one of the things I that emerged during this series was that people don't know anything about them. Even impressionists I've interviewed said, I, do you know, what? I've never th- really thought about what I do, how I do it, why I do it. So I hope that during the course of this, I've, I've lifted the lid a little bit on, on our weird little toolbox. And it's, uh, it's, it's been a, a great joy. The worst advice I ever got was I was mm. at the Royal Variety Show, which I didn't, I, I kind of cocked it up the first time I did it. Uh, my concentration just went. I had a sort of blank moment. But even before I went on stage, I was pacing around. Somebody said, are you nervous? I said, yeah, I'm very nervous. And mm. they said, listen, don't worry. Don't worry. Just just go out there. Just go out there and be yourself. Yeah. And I thought, you do know I'm an impressionist, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great story to finish with. Uh, it's been enormous fun, very interesting stuff. And I hope that our listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have. I'm sure they must have done. Um, so from me... Well, they Simon, left a long time ago, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> they, they left after Richie Benno. Oh, but probably, probably. Certainly my Richie Benno, not yours. It's been great. Uh, Rory Bremner, thanks ever so much. And we'll be back next time on Making an Impression. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you. 